Hello and welcome to the Radio Times Doctor Who podcast, brought to you by the team behind RadioTimes.com. Hello and welcome to the Radio Times Doctor Who podcast. My name's Hugh. My name is Morgan. And this week, we are doing something a little different. We are um, we have no episode to review or series to review, for obvious reasons, because there hasn't been one on since the last episode. Uh, but we are looking ahead at the New Year's Day special, Eve of the Daleks. Uh, sadly, we have confirmed that Eve is not a person in the episode, which is very disappointing. Um, yeah, so there's been some, you know, little, little bits of news um about the episode coming up and we've spoken to one of the episode stars ajani salmon about what we can expect when the episode crops up on new year's day so consider this a kind of a moose-bouche to uh the next uh big doctor who episode very exciting uh but yes first as ever we have who news uh and this week we have a few different pieces a few bits and bobs uh starting off with um morgan do you want to talk about russell t davis and stephen moffat who have been dropping well stephen moffat's been dropping some hints about what's next from rtd hasn't he Yes, Russell T. Davies, of course, returning uh, as Doctor Who showrunner in 2023. And uh, Stephen Moffat has been uh, discussing uh, Russell's plans with him. Uh, they had a little a little chat. Um, and uh, Stephen was talking about this. He gave a speech at the Oxford Union recently. Um, and he, he, he'd heard a few tidbits uh, from Russell and has described them as appropriate enough fantastic um and uh stephen said uh russell is the single best writer in television drama and he wants to do doctor who again so great news for doctor who didn't go into any details obviously as to what russell was planning um but as a as a doctor who fan himself i'm excited that stephen moffat's excited i love that quote he had of being like have you read this book called the writer's tale Maybe read that about yeah. how like miserable you were the entire time you were making. <laughs> I, I think you should. Yeah, he also launched into into quite a good uh, Russell impersonation when he was saying, "No, it's going to be marvelous and wonderful, and I'm going to have a great time going." But so it seems like Russell T. Davis is, is really, really g'd up, really excited to return to Doctor Who, as we all are excited to see him back in the showrunner role. Yeah, and we're sort of inching towards that now, aren't we? We've been talking about this for a while because it was announced a while ago. And all of a sudden, you know, we've got three episodes of Jodie Whittaker left. Come, mm. you know, a week or two, just two episodes left. You know, presumably the Russell Davis era will be, you know, inching into production pretty soon. Uh, so, yeah, it's an exciting time to be a Doctor Who fan, I think. Um, before all that, though, as we said, we do have these Jodie Whittaker episodes. And obviously the first one coming up, the New Year's special, Eve of the Daleks, which we do also have a little bit of news on. Um, we were chatting to, we've chatted to a few people involved. One was uh, the director of the episode, Annette Laufer. Apologies if I'm pronouncing that wrong. And she gave us a few sort of inside scoop tidbits about the episode. One of which is that apparently this is the most festive of uh, Jodie Whittaker's Doctor Who episodes. Festive in the sense of it doesn't have to be Christmassy to be festive. It's set in New Year. You can be festive with, you know, New Year. You could be festive with Easter if you want. Um, but yeah, so that's quite interesting because um, we have talked a lot on this before about um, whether they're wrong to get rid of the Christmas special of Doctor Who. Mm. When the New Year's special kind of first kicked off, my thing was, you know, Oh, maybe they'll do a New Year's special. They'll play around with the tropes of New Year. It kind of feels like they haven't really done that. They did a little bit in um, Resolution, but not too much. Um, so yeah, apparently, she didn't want to give too much away. Apparently, it's a bit of a spoiler almost, but 
it is very New Year'sy, um, the whole thing. Uh, so that's quite intriguing. The other interesting thing she told us, we knew that this episode is set in a time loop. You have um, Ashling B's character um, and Ajani Salmon's character in a self-storage thing. Daleks attack, execution of Daleks attack. The Doctor, uh, Dan and Yaz are there. They're, they get stuck too because there's a time loop. You know, Groundhog Day, the events keep repeating themselves, presumably every time the Daleks zap them. They've got to start all over again. That's what we thought. However, she revealed that there's a little bit of a twist to it in this one, which is that it's not just a time loop. There's also a, a minute. A minute is gained or lost. I can't quite work it out. I, I think it moves on a minute each time. So it's not like you start at the exact same point. It shifts ever so slightly every time you reset. Um, or it does over time we haven't seen the episode so we don't know exactly how it works but i'm quite intrigued and i'm like oh great i thought it sounded way too simple you know it sounded too really simple and easy to understand this episode already <laughs> and now i'm like you know what we really needed was this level of confusion added by this extra extra minute gained um but yeah no i'm 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 pretty intrigued by all that i think um and yeah generally speaking we don't know too much about this episode but it sounds like it's fairly self-contained doesn't it? it doesn't sound like there's a lot to know if you know what i mean yeah and, and i'm intrigued by that time loop twist as well because yeah, although i think as we said previously doctor who hasn't done a huge amount of time loop um stories which is perhaps surprising given to the show sort of about time travel um i i like that it, you know, that that trope has been explored you know in depth elsewhere groundhog day uh, palm springs recently uh, many other science fiction stories and tv shows and films so i like that doctor who is putting its own its own little spin on it there yeah definitely and you know hopefully the, the end result will be great and we won't have to make lots of diagrams although if we do you'll find the diagrams on radiotimes.com because that's what <laughs> we do um yeah <clears throat> so i'm pretty excited to see the episode <clears throat> One person who's also very excited is our is our guest coming up, uh, Ajani Salmon, who plays Nick, which is kind of Christmassy name, I suppose, uh, in the episode. Uh, Nick is the person who owns a self-storage uh, locker in Elf Storage. He's one of the main guest characters in the episode. Um, and Ajani joined me from Jamaica, uh, very gallantly uh, signing in quite early that time, to chat to me about Nick, what we can expect from the episode, and you know whether we could ever see him again. So uh, here's that chat now. start off with what can you tell us about nick in you know doctor who eve of the daleks how does he kind of come into the action yeah well i guess it starts with nick as a introverted kind of lovesick guy who's really just trying to this year will be his year when he finally tells sarah which is ashton b's character how he feels and ask her out but I guess as Doctor Who goes, the Doctor shows up and there's chaos. I mean, is that why he goes every year just before midnight to see her at the uh, at the uh, L storage to, to build up that courage, just to, to just to see, you know, will it be this time? Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, we heard that you know, it's an episode with Daleks with time loops, obviously lots of exciting stuff, but at its heart. It is essentially a romantic comedy. I mean, was that kind of what appealed to you about it? It's a weird... Yeah, because when I read the script, when initially I was told about it, I got a show, I was like super excited and stuff. But then when I was reading it, I was like, oh, it's actually... Yeah, it's an interesting way to, I guess, shift the, the, 
the canon of Doctor Who. And yeah, it is a weird little rom-com with Daleks, which is super fun. I was like, yeah, let's do it. I mean, what was the casting process like? Was it pretty standard? You know, you got sent the part, you auditioned on Zoom, presumably, all that stuff? Ah, uh, yeah, no, it was, it was, I guess, you know, COVID audition. So it was actually, yeah, just based on self-tapes mm. that I had to record. And yeah, yeah, it got the role. It's interesting. I mean, what, sorry. I haven't met. There are many casting directors. Like I've worked for casting directors who I've never actually met, which I think is quite interesting now. I mean, you know, more generally, what was it like filming under those COVID restrictions? This episode's quite contained, isn't it? So that might have helped. Yeah, and I, I think that may have been part of it as to, I'm not sure if that's why it's so contained, but um, no, COVID is so interesting because of the strict measures and precautions that everyone has to take and like, you know, masks and even in, even just wearing a mask outside of takes is super interesting but no it was fun it was it was it was super fun it was honestly like yeah being on Doctor Who you you understand the grand nature of it being on set and and realizing that oh there's like no green screen like they <laughs> built everything <laughs> you know? yeah it's amazing. It's amazing. I mean were you a fan of the show beforehand did you see much of it so I'd seen it back in uni. I used to watch it, Lord. That was that. So that was like Matt Smith. I kind of saw the Matt Smith Doctor and the David Tennant Doctor. I don't know. I guess you, for myself, funny enough, I guess I moved back to Jamaica really, so it wasn't like on like prime time TV as it was here. So I kind of fell off. But I've always, I mean, everybody knows the show and loves the show, so. Yeah, it's it's interesting even coming back and telling people, oh, you know, I'm in I'm in this I'm in Doctor Who, thinking that they wouldn't, I guess, kind of know what it is. But even here, everybody I tell, they're like, oh, you're in Doctor Who, and I'm like, <laughs> so yeah, no, it's it, it's I've, yeah, I used to watch it, I used to watch it loads when I'm back in uni. So no, it's it's, it's yeah, it's a it's a dream to be in it. I mean, you mentioned, you know, the iconic nature of the show. You also face off with the most iconic Doctor Who monsters. Oh. Your one episode, you're facing off with a load of Daleks. I mean, what was that like? You know, again, it was so interesting being on set because mm. I'm like, they have, they've built, they've built Daleks. They're their whole Daleks with Barnaby and Nick and, and John, like, like with actors in Daleks, moving the Daleks, the lights turn on, they shoot stuff. And I was... It's funny because I think at first when I saw it, I was like, oh, this is cool. But when they're like, okay, cool. So that we're going to do the scene now where you're like running and they're going to shoot stuff. I was like, wait, they shoot stuff? <laughs> you know, which is crazy. So I'm honestly, it makes it feel not even so much like acting, but it, it makes it so much easier to be in character when they've built, you step into a world and the dialects are definitely a part of that. And yeah, no, it was, it was fun. I sent, like, yeah, I sent that picture to my mom and she was like, oh, you still have dialects? I was like, yeah. <laughs> so that was great. I mean, I should also ask about the non-murderous members of the cast. Uh, obviously you yeah. team up with uh, Ashling B in this and the main TARDIS trio, Jodie Whittaker 
uh, John Bishop and Mandip Gill. I mean, what was it like working with all those guys? Honestly, it felt like it felt like I was invited to someone's Christmas party, mm-hmm. like a family dinner. You know, it's just like you know, you get invited to the party and everybody's welcoming and everybody's saying, you know, don't worry, you're one of us now. And, you know, they invite you to what they make you try all the food and all that good stuff. Literally, that's how it felt because I guess for them, they've been working on it, cast and crew, for years, right? And honestly, it was just such a welcoming feeling. And everybody was super patient and kind. And funny, actually. I, yeah, I don't know. I guess I, th- I think of filming as being a serious thing. But it's not. Not at least not with them. <laughs> you know, and Ashling was amazing as well. Like, that was my first time meeting Ashling. And, yeah, it was just great to be, I guess, for myself as a, I guess, a new actor or a relatively new actor, it was amazing being around such seasoned actors. And it was, like, super helpful and, and like, you know, lines and all of that stuff. So, yeah, no, it was, it was fun. It was a good time. I'm glad. I mean, also, you know, it we know that Jodie Whittaker is leaving next year. So this is her final festive special. I mean, you're, and you're part of that. Does that feel, well, special, I guess? Yeah, no. <laughs> you know, it's funny because when I, I think it was announced while I was there. Oh, really? Filming. And I was like, oh, you leaving? <laughs> I was like, oh, man. So it almost felt like, it almost felt like an honor to be a part of the goodbye almost like you know the farewell tour of Jodie Whittaker which yeah she was absolutely amazing and I'm sure I'm yeah I'm sure she's it was so interesting seeing her being able to jump in and out of the character and you know obviously the doctor has such sporadic thoughts sometimes and but the way in which she can switch it on and just deliver these lines in all these ways I'm thinking it made me realize, I was like, okay, there are levels, there are levels to acting. <laughs> I mean, it's a, a lesson for life, I guess. Learned on the, learned on the set of Doctor Who. Yeah, trust me, it is. I mean, you know, obviously Doctor Who's been on for a really long time. Uh, loads of characters kind of crop back up over the years. I mean, do you think Nick could return? And, you know, would you be up for that? If, I mean, I'm sure they, I, I mean, the fact that I was in a time loop episode, I'm sure there's a way. To, to Nick back, <laughs> but yeah, no, definitely, it was so much fun. Honestly, it was, it was, yeah, the being within the production, being. I've already pitched my idea. I was like, I think they need to somehow rejig a time loop, but like Nick and Sarah appear in Barbados, and like <laughs> Daleks are flying over the sea again. And this is just time loop traveled into into the Caribbean. I don't know if Chris will take it on, but you know, I put it out there in the universe. I'm ready. <laughs> I mean, you can't rule it out. Uh, anything's possible, right? Anything's possible. Thank you very much, Ajani. Uh, so you heard it her first. The Daleks take Barbados is definitely the next uh, festive special. <laughs> um, I mean, I'd watch it. <laughs> Can I say as well, I've, I've only just realised now, live on air, as it were, that 
self the, the the elf storage is a play on self storage like i got that it was it was a storage facility <laughs> really? and, and but, but but like i literally i literally just got that it's elf sto- like elf storage is a play on itself storage i probably shouldn't have admitted that i probably should have kept that to myself never mind yeah well we'll see if it makes it to the final cut but if i have my way it definitely will uh so everyone know everyone knows who's the real top dog around these parts uh, <laughs> um but yeah so yeah that is uh, sounds like we've got a lot to look forward to in eve of the daleks uh now this is normally the section where we would have a review of something as i said but we don't have anything to review in this week's episode because obviously there hasn't been anything however in a slight change to the format, I did look back over Series 13 with Series 13 director Jamie Magnus Stone. Um, he directed Episodes 1, 2, and 4 of Doctor Who Flux, um, and we caught up with him recently to sort of find out, you know, there's some behind-the-scenes secrets, a few other questions about how it all got put together. And although this is mainly an episode talking about, you know, Eve of the Daleks, I feel like Doctor Who fans are a retrospective bunch. You know, we like to think about what's just come before. So here's what happened when I caught up with Jamie. So, Jamie, obviously you worked fairly extensively on Series 12. Uh, Was it different coming back for Series 13? It was. It was. Um, it was really good coming back, having having had season twelve under my belt or series twelve under my belt, because it sort of felt. I, I always find on any job that I spend sort of the three quarters of the job with this sort of slightly nervous first day at school feeling, and it takes takes you a while to kind of figure out everyone's strengths and how to get decisions made, th- uh, you know, through quickly, and and how to get the best out of people and, and things. So it was really lovely, kind of coming back in and hitting the ground running on that res- in that respect. But also, it felt different because the plan from the start was to make it uh, to make it serialized so that really gave the whole the whole endeavor a different flavor um which was quite exciting obviously you know we also had the covid of it all um which must have been a, a, a challenge i mean we heard that covid changed the whole plan uh from a more traditional series to something more serialized i mean did you come in at the point where it was already kind of in this new format or w- were there talks earlier than that well, I, I wasn't really party to what the what the original plan for the series was before it became what it is now. I, I did have a Zoom call uh, a couple of months before we started with Chris and the producers, and, and they were saying it was it was I think in that first wave still where where productions were really figuring out whether they could actually go ahead or not, and we were sort of going, okay, you know, how's this going to run on set? Can we, you know, can we shoot a series with social distancing and all of the the kind of things that have become fairly standard now in terms of cohorts and bubbles and, and testing protocols, none of that was in place. So we were really kind of feeling our way through and trying to figure out whether it was possible to do it. And we kind of decided, well, what, you know, we would we would definitely um, sort of throw ourselves in and, and uh, you know, and, and, and make it as best as we possibly could. And that there would be no, um, no overseas filming, but we would take that travel budget and add a little bit more to the... Um, to the VFX budget and the, and the set builds. And I think part of the plan of, of the serialization was actually that our set builds could, um, we could be more ambitious with them in some, in, in, in some ways, like the Temple of Atropos, mm-hmm. uh, and they would um, be used in more than one episode. So quite often um, for a standard series of Doctor Who, you've got the TARDIS as a standing set, but then every other set you're building pretty much gets uh, put up, used for one episode only, and then gets ripped down again. Um, so the plan was... I think to be to be kind of more clever with um, 
you know, all this, all the kind of uh, standing sets uh, and th that would help on a COVID front to do more in the studio because the, the hardest thing to do with COVID is to shoot interior locations. Mm. Um, I, I quickly learned. Um, and uh, and that way we do more, more in the studio and have sort of a bit more uh, large scale sets. Um, which is quite good fun, actually. And then, you know, it's one of these things that once we once we started filming, we had to learn some new rhythms and things. We shot at single camera um, as opposed to, to multi camera, which we usually do. And there was a few a few things to get used to, but um, but everyone was really careful and 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 uh, and yeah, threw themselves into it with 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 great kind of um, enthusiasm and invention. Um, and it went okay. I think I think overall as a production, we were quite lucky on on on, on the COVID front um, in that we we didn't get shut down, um, which uh, was fortuitous. Yeah, I mean, you know, in the finished product, I, you know, I would not have, you know, if you put guns by head, you know, showed that to me any other year, I wouldn't have thought, oh, yeah, this was a COVID production. Do you know what I mean? Like, it just seemed, obviously, there was a difference in the way that, like, it was structured. But in terms of what was actually on the screen, I think it was pretty seamless. So, you know, I mean, congratulations to all of you guys for pulling that out of the bag. I mean, it must have seemed quite a daunting task at one point. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it, it was. Um it, it was. I mean, it was just a case of really finding our finding our feet, though. I think the the hardest day, weirdly for me, was the shooting the stuff in the Arctic Circle house in episode one, because I think that was the only sort of small small interior location that we had to shoot in. Um, and it was this. You had to do this kind of human Tetris of of people because you couldn't have any more than four people or five people per room, and it's quite a small house full of small rooms. So just that you know, in order to get a lens from outside to the camera you had to do this sort of weird jenga of shuffling people around to make sure that you never had more than however many people it was per room it was a bit of a headache in in, in that front but um and then after that we decided to, to sort of try and build our interiors as much as possible i think um good move <laughs> um i'm also going to say you know it was a really, really fun series overall, but my absolute personal highlight, Village of the Angels, which I think was many people's highlight as well, obviously an episode you directed. I mean, there's so many great sequences in that with Weeping Angels. What was your favourite to pull off? Oh, I don't know. There was, there was, I, I really enjoyed doing that episode as a whole because it, the script came in a little bit later than the other two. So we actually shot it kind of on its own. Rather, or, ordinarily, we shoot multiple episodes at the same time. So you're sort of jumping between... Uh, you know, you're keeping a lot of different plates spinning, but that one was that was really lovely because it was self-contained, and we shot it all at the end of the at the end of my shooting block, kind of as one piece, so you could really focus on it. Um, and yeah, we got to do some really cool stuff. I liked I liked how kind of contained and focused it was. I mean, a, a, a personal favorite for me was that with this um, trick shot we did in the mirror with Claire. Oh I'd, yeah, I'd always wanted to do a, a shot with a fake uh, hole in the wall instead of a mirror, and I I really enjoyed the kind of the um, the orchestration of that and the, and the, and the, and the little details. And I just, I'm, I'm a, a big fan of kind of old school camera tricks when we can, when we have the time to plan them out. And, and that was, there was something really satisfying about kind of getting that all choreographed and, and, and working nicely. And it had a really kind of spooky atmosphere to it. So I, I liked that. Um, the end, the end sequence with Jody turning to an angel was, was, was great as well. I mean, um, huge credit to the, to the, the VFX team at DNEG for, for pulling that off. But that was another one that was really nice to kind of, you know, it was a fiddly move to shoot and it took lots and lots of takes to get, but um, we, we, yeah, we got there in the end. And, and all of the stuff in Jericho's basement, I really loved. It was a really gorgeous set to film in and there was some, some nice kind of long scenes that, that, that flowed really well. Kevin McNally and, and, and Animal Scully were such 
wonderful additions to the cast that just sort of fitted in so so well and 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 became a part of that kind of Doctor Who family mm. so so easily and I think I think brought a great deal to the episode so I love those scenes with with um with Jodie and those two uh, which were largely those kind of basement scenes um uh so they were they were some of my favorites too and it was fun to figure out the weeping angels I mean I I, I they're I was kind of a little nervous because they're obviously held in such high regard as I mean pretty un- uncontroversial I think to say that they're the most successful new who villain or at least I, I I think they are um so to kind of have the reins over over an angel episode was felt like a huge responsibility um and uh so it was it was it was um really fun kind of getting to grips with with them and figuring out you know when to use a statue when to use a performer um I was trying to sort of find times where we could have the angels move um in the same shot effectively with, 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 a, with a camera moving away and then coming back to them and they'd moved rather than moving them on a cut all the time, which, um, which worked sometimes and was, was good fun. Uh, but yeah, it was just, it was a terrifically, a terrifically fun episode to do that. I liked it. I mean, more generally, were there kind of <clears throat> things like that you were able to pull off in your other episodes in, uh, the Halloween apocalypse, uh, war of the Sontarans, these kind of, I mean, what, I guess maybe the better question is what's the shot or scene you're kind of most proud of from series 13? Ooh, I, don't know. Um, I think probably the stuff in the Crimea I'm most proud of because it was, it, it was really difficult to shoot. I think we shot that in November last year, November, December, it was about a year ago. Um, and the elements were really against us. It was really difficult filming conditions. All of our equipment was soaked. We have these, um, these easy ups that are basically like tents that are meant to keep your equipment dry. And there was such, uh, high winds that we lost seven or eight of these tents just blew away. We ripped off our equipment and the, the, the stuff got so a lot of, lot of, um, a lot of technical problems. It was really hard for the cast because they're just getting soaked through the whole time. Really difficult for hair and makeup to keep on top of these kind of. Uh, the weather and the winds and it just it, it felt like it was such a battle to get any shot in the can um, uh, a, a, across the Crimea and we did have a few little COVID curveballs as well with people testing um, uh, inconclusively or, or, or a couple of couple of positive cases which meant we had to shuffle things around quite often at the last minute so it was it was it was felt like a real kind of um, uh, yeah like like being in a battle shooting all that stuff uh, but I, I I think it kind of in the end um, worked well for the episode i think there's a real kind of truth to the grit and the mud and the smoke and the rain and the sleet uh and the texture that is there on 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 screen i think it served the tone of that story really well um and and i i guess i'm 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 proud of it because it was so 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 miserable and so difficult to to shoot um but it was worth it and i think i think that's kind of came out as probably my favorite episode um uh of, of the bunch so it was it was worth worth persevering worth worth being freezing i mean i say freezing i was in a big coat per you know per um you know jody and the cast were had to you know had to be in their normal costumes with a little thermal layer underneath if they're lucky it was much much harder for them um but they were great i mean maybe for the next series uh someone could incorporate oh yeah the doctor just wears a very big <laughs> fluffy coat at all times when she, when she or he were outdoors <laughs> yeah then then what will happen is that then you know then you go into a you know that she goes into a sontaran ship and it's in a studio with heavy lighting and then she gets you know you get yeah you can't win you can't win yeah <laughs> um i'm always really fascinated to hear about things in the production of shows like this that kind of changed or were rethought during shooting. I mean, were there any moments like that in series 13 where you planned to do things one way and then had to do it another, or did everything kind of just progress to plan? I mean, I wouldn't say progress to plan because the, the, the plan had to be a, 
I mean, it, it always is on Doctor Who, this kind of evolving, evolving sort of nebulous concept because, um, you know, you, you, we, we, we don't get all the scripts all at once and we, you know, and, and sometimes we even get the script, an individual script in, in pieces as we go. So um, it's something that we kind of, you know, you have to get used to kind of building up a, a very malleable plan in, in stages that you can kind of execute bits of it, but you always have to be aware that, that, that it's probably going to change as you go. And that was even more true than usual this year because of, because of COVID. So there was, you know, a, a huge chunk that I was meant to have filmed in Liverpool in, in, in my block. And then Liverpool was hit really hard early on in the pandemic and all of those locations got pulled out. And some of them we relocated you know, we found Cardiff equivalents and some of them had to be rewritten because they were around um, Liverpool landmarks. So that, so that threw some curveballs into the mix. Um, but, um, but yeah, by, by and large, the, the, um, we sort of have to shoot with a very flexible semblance of a plan. Um, but that kind of makes it exciting. I, I sometimes find that, that if there's a, you know, if there's a scene that's existed in the script for a very, very long time and it's been, everyone's really, knows what they're doing with it. Sometimes, you you know, and I've got it storyboarded and everything. Sometimes those scenes come out a little bit um, sort of flatter than, than, than some of the ones where you've, you've gone in and the script has changed two days before and you're at a location that you haven't recced, but there's a kind of a, a crackle and an electricity to it. And it kind of, there's sort of an energy to sort of making these discoveries as you go on the day on while you're rehearsing or while you're blocking, or you kind of have to have to kind of invent your way through things. Sometimes those, those scenes are the most lively and the most sparky when you get to the edit. Um, whereas the stuff that I've meticulously planned, I mean, it's a joy. Some, you know, it's, it's a nice luxury when I do get to do the stuff that I've meticulously planned, but sometimes it doesn't have the same kind of um, fizz that the more improvised uh, or, or uh, you know, um, the stuff we've had to adapt uh, our plans to fit can do. And thank you very much, Jamie. Also, thank you for meaning we don't have to try and find something to review in this episode. <laughs> that would be really awkward. This week's review, this sonic screwdriver toy I bought my nephew. <laughs> Not TV accurate. <laughs> um, but we still have time for one of our regular features, which is, of course, Controversial Question of the Week. Yes, we have been doing this for every episode of the Radio Times Doctor Who podcast. We have been chatting about the big questions of Doctor Who or slash whatever we've come up with at that particular time. And this week, uh, we are jumping off the back of a poll we ran on RadioTimes.com about Doctor Who companions. Uh, Morgan, I don't know if you want to fill us in. Yes, so we uh, ran a poll asking RadioTimes.com readers if they wanted uh, Dan, John Bishop's character, and Yaz, Mandip Gill's character, to stay on when Jodie Whittaker uh, leaves Doctor Who. Obviously, we know Jodie is leaving next year, along with Chris Chibnall, the showrunner. Uh, we don't know for certain. It's not been 100% confirmed that Mandip Gill and John Bishop will be leaving alongside them. A lot of people are assuming that that is the case, uh, but it's not been 100% confirmed. So we asked in a poll, um, do you want them to, to stick around? Do you want them to travel in the TARDIS with the new Doctor, whoever that may be? Or are, do you want an, a, a total cast refresh? Do you think it's time to relaunch Doctor Who uh, with a new cast? And it was very tight, um, the final result. It was about 51% in favour 
of both of them staying um and then the other half was divided between people who wanted one of them to stay uh you know, either dan or yaz um or people who wanted a, a total cast refresh but the majority uh, a slight majority but a majority nonetheless were in favor of dan and yaz sticking around see i think that quite interesting i think that says a lot about how well the pair of them were kind of played in series 13 that people kind of you know, mm. do want to see more of them. And they are, and I think the dynamic between the three of them is really good. I'll be interested to see it in Eva the Daleks and the spring special mm. uh, coming up, assuming that everyone's back for, a, you know, the spring special. We don't actually know that officially or not, but it seems pretty likely. Um, because that will be the first time we kind of see them being the TARDIS team, as opposed to like some of the many characters in Doctor Who Flux, um, some who travel with the Doctor and some who <laughs> yeah. don't. Um, but yeah, I... I think it is interesting to see that. So I, I had spoken to Mandip Gill about this um, sometime before we ran the poll, and she basically, she kind of didn't want to say whether she'd come back or not. I mean, it seems pretty clear she's not going to at this point, unless there's a surprise twist. It just seems like she's expecting not to, if that makes sense. But she did say, you know, mm. the thing with Doctor Who fans is you don't always need a full new cast. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you have a new cast for a new Doctor. Sometimes the companions do kind of hang on. Um, and that's fine too. And the great thing about Doctor Who fans is they accept it either way. And this is a fair point. I mean, the thing is, we don't tend to get these kind of companions moving on between showrunners, do we? We tend to get them, if it's the same showrunner, a different Doctor, you have like Billy Piper obviously goes from Christopher Eccleston to David Tennant, um, mm. and Jenna Coleman goes from Matt Smith to Peter Capaldi. Um, and then they're bookended by other companions who are just with, actually, no, not in Billy Piper's case, but you know, there are other companions who are just with one Doctor. And then you mm. do have characters who meet multiple doctors but not like regular like river song who jumps between eras and you know john barrowman who jumps between eras uh captain jack and i i think obviously kate stewart now as well more recently but you've never had that kind of companions being pulled over so my instinct is to be honest i think it's pretty unlikely yaz and dan mm. will stick around because russell t davis you know will probably want to you know start something new however you know, there have been, you know, we don't really know what the story is. All we've heard about this next stage is that it's to do with the, you know, centi not the century, the uh, 60th anniversary special. And so we don't even know if there is a, a full series. We know there's certainly something for the 60th and then future series. Could just be this special, in which case maybe it would behoove, you know, RTD to have some characters people already know rather than having to create a new Doctor and new characters. I mean, you know, mm. so it could go overway, I suppose. I, I still think it's more likely to get new companions, but you just don't know. I mean, what do you think? Well, we should say that the controversial question of the week is, should Yaz and Dan stay for, for the next series? I don't think we actually said that. <laughs> but so, um, yeah, so 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 it's interesting. I, I, I agree with you. I think it's probably unlikely um, because I think the part of what Russell T Davies is going to look to do when he returns to Doctor Who next year is, is, is relaunch it. Um, and that's not in any way a, a criticism of what came before. It's just what the show needs and what the show does every, every few years. It needs a kind of total refresh and overhaul. And that's not as simple necessarily as just bringing in a new, uh, writer and bringing in a new lead actor. Not that that's, simple as such but you kind of need to give it a, a total refresh you kind of need to maybe like tweak the the style and the tone you need to change the way it's filmed i think these are the things that sometimes get missed amidst the buzz of who's going to be the showrunner who's going to be the new doctor um 
yeah, when when it when we shifted from the Russell T Davies era to the Stephen Moffat era, the way the show was filmed changed quite dramatically. It looked like a very different show. And again, um, when when we went to the Chris Chibnall era, was it is it isomorphic lenses? I remember there's a lot yeah. of talk about isomorphic lenses and how it was going to look very different. So isn't it isomorphic all... like magic technology that means only the master can use the laser screwdriver? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think it's like I think it's anamorphic lenses. <laughs> There you, yeah, no, you're right. It's anamorphic <laughs> lenses. Isomorphic um, control is what means yeah. that only certain people use the TARDIS. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, if I was going to get that wrong anyway, it should be on the top of who yeah, podcast. Yeah, that's good. Um, <laughs> but, but no, you know, you, you want to, my point is, my point is you want to totally um, reinvent the show. Um, and so I think part of that is going to be a, a total cast overhaul. And, and if you're asking me, I kind of, as much as I've really responded warmly to the Doctor and Yaz and Dan uh, trio that dynamic i think it works really well i'm really excited to see more of it in in eve of the daleks and the, and the specials that follow as, as you said it'd be nice to see them on a kind of standalone uh regular adventure that's i'm really looking forward to that all that being said i think i think to relaunch doctor who um next year you're going to need a, a total cast overhaul um which you know i i i think but but then i think there, there are definite benefits to when you have a companion carry over um I, I i do like the idea that you know you see you see a regeneration through a companion's eyes and you kind of they they're reflecting how you're feeling about it like i'm not sure who this person is i'm not sure how i feel about them i think there are definite benefits to that but i think it's pretty unlikely that we'll see that happen um it, it, you know in the in the new russell t davies era which again with the character of yaz in particular could be some really interesting stuff you could do there, given how close she has grown to the Doctor. If the Doctor were to suddenly change entirely, how would that impact their relationship? Could be really interesting. But I, I, I unfortunately, I don't think we're going to see it play out, especially because that would mean that Mandip Gill had been in more episodes of Doctor Who than Jodie Whittaker, which would be, um, which, which would be a flex. But, but, but maybe who knows? I think it's interesting. I think you could see the argument for why it would happen. It's just instinctively, I just don't think it will. It just seems mm. like, from a production stand, production standpoint, you kind of want a, a clean break from what comes before and to sort of start fresh. You know, there's a reason that they could have, you know, similarly, um, Pearl Mackey could have stayed with mm. the Jodie Whittaker Doctor. And there's some interesting stuff that would have happened there because, you know, she, she was with a male Doctor, you know, going with a female Doctor, that would have been really interesting. That didn't happen and nobody was, you know that surprise because that's just generally speaking how it works you kind of start fresh each new showrunner kind of wants to bring you know a new version of doctor who that said you know russell is a returning showrunner so then maybe he might have some slightly different ideas of how it could all work we just don't know it's very early to say i mean my secret hope is that you know, after Eve of the Daleks, we'll start to get some more details of what we might expect. Maybe we'll even find out who the next Doctor is, at which point that might help us kind of work out the sort of companion we are. Like, for example, when Jodie Whittaker was cast, I think that did give us a sense that we'd have at least one male companion and possibly, you know, more than one to kind of balance out the, the TARDIS. And that is actually what happened. Um, mm. So, yeah, I'll be really interested to see where this all goes. Um, for now, though, we're just stuck here in, you know, various bedrooms speculating, uh, as is the Doctor Who classic. 
uh, fan activity. Um, please let us know what you think. Uh, do you agree that Dan and Yaz should stick around? Do you think it's time for a refresh? Um, and yeah, what are you thinking about Eva Vidalix? Are you excited? And, you know, would you like to see more uh, episodes that mess around with time in a show about time travel? Let us know over usual places, Twitter, Facebook, and so on. Um, we'll be back for another uh, Doctor Who podcast uh, on New Year's Day. 2022 uh where we will be reviewing dun 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 eva vidalics uh which will also be i believe the last episode of this little run of doctor who podcasting uh so yeah we will see you then um you can find that episode and all others wherever you get your podcasts acast spotify uh apple podcasts all those places um, and obviously you can also find them on radiotimes.com alongside our, I was going to say award winning, I don't think we've won any awards for it, but our really good Doctor Who <laughs> content. <laughs> um, until then, uh, I've been Hugh. I've been Morgan. Uh, and this has been Eve of Eve of the Daleks. Thanks for listening <laughs> and goodbye. Thanks for listening to our Doctor Who podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to never miss an episode. And for more brilliant Doctor Who content, check out radiotimes.com. 